Welcome to Marketing Labs. This podcast is brought to you by Marketing Labs, an expert digital marketing agency based in Nottinghamshire. If you're a business owner or marketing professional looking for straightforward, non-salesy tips and advice to help grow your business online, then this podcast is for you. Strap in, because we're about to reveal the things that other agencies would rather you didn't know. And welcome back to another episode of Marketing Blabs. I'm your host, Tom Haslam. I'm the creative director here at Marketing Labs. Today, we're diving deep into a topic that's at the very heart of the social media landscape at the moment. That is user-generated content. Joining me on today's Blab is Mel Healy, our head of content. How are you doing, Mel? Good, thank you, Tom. Finished laughing fits yet? I'm, I'm composed. I'm ready to go. Same. Matt Janaway is also here with us, our founder and CEO. You good? Afternoon, Tom. Afternoon. Sounded very formal. Yeah. <laughs> did you mean it to be? I did. I liked it. And also, last but not least, Josie Quigley J, our digital marketing executive. Hello. You good? Yeah. We've been doing some stuff on social media today, haven't we? Yeah, doing some paid social ads for ML. Yeah, more paid social, but it's still good stuff. Yeah. Nice. So, we'll get straight into it then, shall we? I want to start by just defining what user-generated content is. Does anyone want to kick off on what it is? So, UGC is any form of content that is created by users instead of yourself as a brand or as a professional. Could be video, could be text, could be images, but it's content that's created by ideally your customer, but also influencers and other marketers. Mm. And we see it a lot on applications like TikTok, for example. A good one that I saw was a brand called High Smile. They use influencers and obviously their customers quite a lot to talk about the products and how they promote them. Yeah, I've seen a few from Adobe as well recently. They've been doing quite a few of where people have posted a video using their product, any software or making, particularly like jokes about editing and things like that. They'll repost that user-generated content. Lush do a great job. Yeah. Yeah, on the Lush website, on every product, if the product has used a specific hashtag, it pulls in videos of, of like a bath bomb fizzing away, for example. That's, that works nicely. That's quite a good use for Lush, actually, because they don't have any social media presence anyway. Yeah. So because they don't have their own profiles, they're still able to then use that content on their website rather than posting it themselves. And you could argue that's actually much more natural and authentic than having your own social media. Mm. Not suggesting that people shouldn't have their own social media channels, but at the same point, often when you have your own social media channel, it's natural for people to just want to talk about themselves. Mm. But actually, UGC, you know, UGC is all about actually what other people are posting about your stuff. It's much more authentic. Is there any cases from a written perspective for UGC? Or is it mainly like visual, like images and stuff? Well, you, I, I'd argue actually UGC started with, with written content. Yeah. Because if you think about Amazon, for example, even 20 years ago, reviews on products, mm. it's user-generated mm. content. I, uh, that That's 
really the foundations of UGC is is product reviews. So yeah, there's lots of benefits. Also, even outside of e-commerce, you've got blog posts where people comment on them. Mm. You've got forums. That's all user-generated content. Yeah, have you heard any cases where you've had like, I don't know, customers write blogs for your other jobs or anything like that? Not customers, but um, guest bloggers, mm. influencers, yeah. people in the industry who already have a, a following. If you can get them to do something for you, that's really powerful mm. um, because they're sharing it with their followers and you can share it with yours. So you're having more impact, greater reach. That's really, really powerful. But just echoing what Matt said, reviews and testimonials are user-generated content and you can use those on your website or repost them on your social. So written as well as video and images is still just as important. I suppose it all comes together as like a trust factor, really, doesn't mm-hmm. it? That's the that's the power of UGC, isn't it? It's the authenticity, the trust, the real experiences, real emotions. You can't really fake them. People try, mm-hmm. and a few people I get, a few people get success with it, I suppose. But yeah, in reality, it's quite hard to fake. Mm. What about influencers, though? Because technically, they're been paid, aren't they? Mo- in most cases, mm. let's say for products that are sold online is is it as authentic as everyday joe blogs buying a product and then just chucking a review on it well the interesting thing is i i find and uh, this is entirely subjective i guess but what i tend to find is even if it is an influencer they it's no less trusting Mm. i think it's actually more about it not being the company that's doing it yeah if you're talking about your own stuff naturally, it's less believable. Like it's, um, everybody does it. It's naturally, nobody's going to slag off their own product, for no. example. So I think ev- even when it's an influencer, even if it's not a customer, uh, it still holds a huge amount more weight than saying it yourself. Yeah, because it, I mean, if as well, if it's in their niche, something that they're an expert on and you would trust their judgment, their recommendation, then that's really powerful whether they're being paid or not because they're putting their name to that. For them to put their name to that and risk their good name in the area they work, they have to have at least some belief in what it is that they're getting behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's partnership, for example, between... Mrs. Hinch and Flash products is really powerful because she's obviously a big name in home cleaning. She's chosen to get behind that of any brand. She could have picked any brand, but she picked that one. So you have to think there must be a reason for that. Yeah, Mrs. Hinch is a good one, to be fair. Obviously, with that relation, I guess from what you're saying is the more the relation is with the end product Mm. and the user, the stronger it is. Yeah, they're more likely to be trusted, I think, on things that they know a thing or two about. There's always a little bit of distrust when it's something that you can't imagine that the person who's who's putting their name behind it could possibly know anything about. It's completely incongruous. It it doesn't fit. Mm. There's no sensible association between the person and the product. So that's a tip for marketers out there choosing their influencers. Choose, Choose wisely. It has to be believable. Yeah. And that's that's actually got better as well, I think. Do you, uh, do you have you found this? I think, I, like, I think it's gotten better, particularly yeah. because now things like Instagram have, well, the law and legislation around ads and gifted products and stuff has changed. Yeah. Obviously, it used to be 
they could be any influencer could be paid to promote a product but they'd never have to say it was paid while now it's much more somewhere in the description in if it's an instagram story somewhere on the screen it has to tell you whether it's an ad whether it's a gifted product whether they have any sort of investment in the company or that kind of thing so that it's pretty transparent because I remember like when I was growing up obviously all sort of influencers and creators past celebrities came from YouTube that's where it all sort of began and it was people going oh this is what I've bought today a haul for Boohoo or ASOS or makeup routine and from there obviously that was so natural and organic and from there it then grew to they'd start to get sponsorships and it was I think a lot did declare back then but since then obviously it grew and became much more of a hype and so people were less likely to declare whether it was an ad or not because as soon as you add that I think even if the person has got a good relationship with their audience and it is a product they would genuinely use sometimes even as soon as you put ad on it or paid promotion or gifted it still adds that little bit of oh well it's not 100% organic it's not 100% their opinion because it is to an extent going to be influenced and I think brands have brands have also probably clued up a little bit as well. So we we all know that there was a huge boom around influencer marketing for probably for the past five years now. And and in my opinion, it has peaked, and it's probably in in the decline now because it often doesn't work as well as people would like. And the reason it doesn't work is because the, not enough thought goes into who the influencer is and who their audience is, and a lot of that comes down to just how natural a connection it is. So the fact that people have been burnt, so to speak, with their spend or giving away products or whatever else it might be, I think just putting a little bit more thought into it makes quite a big difference. And that that definitely seems to have improved, I think. I think there's specific examples, what we were saying about the person being relevant to the product. There's one, there's a guy who I watch on YouTube all the time called Marty Swartz. What does he do? He's a guitar uh, player, and if you want to learn a song, pretty much he's done a tutorial on every song. He's been around for years, but every now and again, he promotes um, guitar brands. So if Marshall bring a new amp out, for example, he'll do like, oh, a little plug, I'm just testing this amp for Marshall. And obviously, no one really minds, because obviously they're still interested in that person, because you're learning from them, for example, in this case. But I think going back to that on the flip side, if a brand, let's say, I don't know, someone who had some face cream, for example, wanted to promote that, they just chose someone who just came out of Love Island Mm. just because they've come out of Love Island and got loads of followers. There's a bit of a difference there, isn't there? There is, and you can also see it a mile away because Mm. when, when that does happen in those situations... Actually, almost every post they do is then you can you can see a mile away that almost all of their posts are yeah. basically sponsored. Yeah, and they are like Josie said, they are supposed to uh, highlight it. They don't always even now, although that has improved. Yeah, um, but you can spot them a mile away. Like if you if you go on an Instagram profile like that, someone who claims to be an influencer, whether they do influence or not, is not really relevant at this point. But if you look down their posts and the vast majority of them are actually just basically advertorials, you're removing the concept of the social proof that Mm -hmm. user-generated content provides. So selecting who you work with in that sense is is the key to making it work. I think there's a lot to be said as well about the strength of the community the influencer has has set up for themselves. Mm. So going back to Mrs. Hinch, the community she's built for uh, around her brand is so... 
I would say, resilient, that even when it is an ad, it's still consumed with good faith by her audience because she has built a very solid audience of of people who I think fit a certain criteria. Mm. Um, So when she does put something out there, it's very much consumed by her audience and taken on board. There's a lot of trust there. She's built a lot of trust with her followers. I think as well coming off, again with the trust with the audience and sort of what Matt said of someone that promotes a lot, there are some influencers that have promoted bad products in the past and then that does break that trust. I remember, Mm. like I said, a lot of my knowledge has been around sort of YouTube influencers and I never particularly watched a girl called Gabby Hanna but there was a massive outrage sort of all across the internet, not just at um, this YouTuber but I think there was there's been a couple of incidents similar where she promoted I think there were these makeup brushes that were ridiculously overcharged um, I think they were meant to be like on offer you could get them cheaper or something so all of her audience which were quite a young audience as well were buying these and they were awful quality They it was clearly just something that was done for an ad promotion mm. and they were terrible quality and then moving forward your audience doesn't have that trust with the influencer or creator so if you're as a business going to someone that has got not a great track record with these products they're happy to just partner up with sort of anyone then that's probably something to avoid can i add something into the mix here as yeah well? go for it so um the initial topic really started around the sort of benefits of ugc and mostly we've been speaking about social so far and i think that's clearly where the whole point of it is it is a social thing but it has benefits outside of social media as well so good ugc for example is is great for seo getting content on your site can show really good engagement statistics and and signals to various search engines potentially if if they wanted to use those as ranking signals but also fantastic for long tail keyword content really good way of of improving pages and and I guess adding that social proof onto your page so there's there's the added benefit there as well and I think the other thing inside for example Google Ads Mm. so the reviews make a big difference we do this a little bit with our case studies and testimonials they're social proof at the end of the day it is user-generated content it's user-generated content that we've polished polished and turned mm. into something that's that's um on more presentable and on brand yeah but ultimately it's still user-generated content yeah and that's very valuable not just for social but also for ads and seo mm. i suppose on the seo side it might help with bank backlinks as well yeah i don't know 100 but could do potentially depending on what it was absolutely yeah there's there's loads of there's loads of 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 byproduct benefits i guess of doing it ultimately your main goal needs to be about about social proof Mm. proving that socially that there's a community behind your product that trusts it but outside of that there are there are loads of benefits i guess uh, we've talked about like you said quite a lot of benefits of ugc um from a, a number of different aspects seo social media mainly social obviously we know now that people use that or brands use that as ahead of their own content because of that social trust or social affirmation, whatever you want to call it. But what about the challenges and concerns of UGC? Like we've said risks of using influencers. Josie, that was a really good example where someone had promoted a product that wasn't great and then they lost all that trust straight away. So there's got to be a good balance. But I think there's a big risk for um, 
like sometimes people using the content without author- authorizing it by the user if that makes sense or I, copyright I'd, yeah is... i'd say there's probably off the top of my head i think there's three areas mm. the first one is misuse yeah and and somebody else using it that they shouldn't really mm. the second one is misinformation mm. so you know for example we we talk a lot about negative seo and the impacts potentially of somebody having a negative seo campaign against a website you could easily do the same thing with ugc and make it look look genuine so there's a risk there and i think the final risk as well is around i guess how there's so one one of the common conversations you might have when you start actively pursuing reviews for example is brands will say the problem is if i have a an automated campaign asking for reviews am i going to attract the people actually that weren't impressed so people that you might have not given given a good service to, they might not like the product, and actually that can harness um, negative UGC yeah. potentially. So they're the three risks really. If you're opening opening yourself up to something like this, you've got to be pretty confident in your service and your product, otherwise the UGC might actually be negative. Yeah, certainly misinformation as well is a, is a big one. Mm. I think the hospitality industry has been grappling with that for a long time, hasn't Massively. it? Yeah. And on sites like um, TripAdvisor and Booking.com where people are generating their own content with um, their own pictures they've taken and, and uh, even video and then a written bit of blurb to go with it. And it's not always fair. No. And it is always very heavily sort of, it's very subjective. And one person's experience might be very different from uh, another. Yeah, and they have different ideas. And I, I read once. So when me and me and my wife went to New York, probably maybe five or six years ago now, whenever it was, I was looking for some reviews of, of various things. And I remember reading one. I think it was the hotel, but I can't remember what it was. And basically, all of the reviews were incredible, apart from one. And when you read this long, it's a really long review. She was ever so angry, this woman. And it turns out, basically, that she was really annoyed because the flight was bad. But it pissed her off for the rest of her experience. Mm. And then that negatively impacted, yeah. like, you could you could follow her reviews around. And she was just really annoyed at that, like that day. And it was, she reviewed, like, two or three things. And that's a great example of where, actually, okay, it's authentic, but something outside of your control can sometimes sort of uh, leave a bad taste, if you like. I always like watching the reviews. If, if it's, say, a video review, for example, I'm going to use guitars as an example because I've just been looking at them loads. But people who actually give really honest reviews of a product, oh, it's great for this, but it could be better here. Some people, like we say, they just focus on the good all the time. Sometimes yeah. you want to know what its maybe downfalls are. Well, that feedback's incredible, yeah. isn't it? If you care about improving your product or mm. your service, that yeah. feedback's gold dust. Massively. And even even if it's just a little thing like, oh, this button could be slightly different or this dial could be mm. in a different position, then that's going to inform the the people who develop and design the product to make it better, like you say. Yeah. But also honest reviews to people who are going to be potentially buying it. And I think that's stronger than just being like, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Just people... Yeah lying about it in a way well that's the, that's the other beauty about ugc as well isn't it because if it's good user generated content 
what what it used to be is people doing exactly that and you do still get it of course you do mm. um but actually the best user generated content is much more informative and honest so actually having those negatives or other things that maybe aren't quite perfect in there actually adds value to the rest of what they're saying yeah it, it adds value to the customer who's potentially going to buy it and adds value to the brand itself because yeah. yeah, they can then yeah. improve. Because yeah. it's a good social listening tool Yeah. because you get into the psyche of the end user. Mm. So you can look at the way they talk about your product and the things they really like about it, the features, the benefits, the way they use it. Mm. And you can use all of that then to inform your campaigns and improve your products. And and it, it just goes straight back into the, the cycle again. Mm. Are there any ways that we can protect UGC or brands can protect UGC, do you think? Yeah, you could watermark your videos. That's one way of doing it. Um, you obviously don't want them to be too heavy yeah. but um if they're watermarked that can sometimes help also utilize things like google image search do a reverse image lookup of your content and see if people are using it and stealing it and um that's always a risk isn't it unfortunately when you put anything out on the internet it can it can be used by other people mm. it's quite important to protect that actually you gave a really good example the other day josie yeah um, so it's sort of back to the the power of user-generated content but there's one that's been circulating recently so there's a product called the stanley cup it's sort of flask water cup and anyone would use sort of traveling around the car and this video had been uploaded to youtube this woman had had i don't know if it was an accident that caused it but basically her entire car had gone up in flames melted burned everything on fire and she was videoing the inside of a car and points out the cup holder in the middle there's a stanley cup sat fully intact looking a little like covered in ash but fully intact opens it and there's still ice in so her entire car had gone up in flames and this stanley cup had managed to still keep her drink cold and stanley cup had even then responded and i believe they've bought her a new car but that's like an incredible user-generated content example of she obviously wasn't asked to do that she didn't deliberately set her car on fire it was pure fate and they've then been able to profit off the back of that by proving how good of a product it is mm. how powerful is that even though they've obviously bought her a car and, and lost some revenue they've probably made more back by yeah people i buying. reckon they've made way more than that car is worth mm. back i would suspect so uh it's hard to put money on these things isn't it but when i saw the video i'm sure it had something like a million likes yeah and that was the same day so it's yeah it's certainly get, getting lots of exposure What's interesting, though, is thinking about this the other way also, and that if you are a brand and you want to use some of your um, customers' content, you do need to ask permission for that too. Yeah, makes um, sense. It's not just the other way around. Mm. So that there's, you've got to broker a deal there to mm. make sure, unless, of course, they've um, provided it to you. And there are ways that you can sort of incentivize that mm. um, by running um, campaigns and competitions and things like that mm. um, to get that kind of content. Yeah, there's loads of benefits and obviously there's some risks as well and you've got to protect that content as well. Just to just to finally wrap up then, what do we think um, with regards to the future of UGC? Do we think there's, any, there's going to be any emerging trends or anything that's massively going to redefine UGC, AI, maybe? Cont continuation of short-form video, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Everybody now, I think this is the best way you need to think about UGC. Everybody now that uses social media is basically a micro-influencer. 
and that's the best way of looking at it and actually i would argue that's more powerful than utilizing the conventional influencer process okay there are still some that are very powerful as mal said earlier miss inch for example incredibly powerful to align yourself with someone like that um but at the same point there are that that's going to cost you money and there are literally millions and millions and millions of users who are very active that won't want paying they just do it because that's what they do now it's part of their social digital social life if you like so for sure that's gonna gonna become more and more of a thing over the next few years certainly um and we've seen it i know we've talked about this on a previous podcast but we've already seen instagram youtube they're trying to copy off tiktok Mm. because tiktok's um shot to stardom if you like with short form video um so YouTube and Instagram, they're all trying to do similar things. And I think there may well be uh, more platforms that follow suit. Yeah. Nice. I think we've, I've enjoyed that quite quick as well. Yeah. Very informative. Sure. Yeah. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed it, been on. Yeah. Thank you, Mel. As always. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Joseph. You're very welcome. Nice. So there you have it, folks user-generated content it's not just a buzzword it's a fundamental shift in the way we interact with social media it's essentially molding the online world giving everyone a voice and reshaping the way that brands and businesses connect with their audiences thank you very much for tuning into today's blab i hope you've enjoyed it if you found this episode insightful then please consider subscribing to marketing blabs on spotify and remember The world of social media is constantly evolving, so stay curious and keep creating. Bye.